At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is pro football blitz with former super contest winners brady cannon and james salinas on vsan the sports betting network Final hour of the program and the final game in the early window on the Week 17 NFL card will be in Baltimore, where the Ravens will host the Los Angeles Rams. The Ravens have dropped four straight, and the Los Angeles Rams have won four in a row. Uh, They will be on the road for the second straight week, and for the third time in the last four weeks, I made this number six and a half in favor of the road team Rams, James. It opened up three and a half, but was bet up quickly upon speculation that Lamar Jackson was not going to get the start in this game. Currently, it is Rams minus six with a total of 46 and a half. When I dive deeper into the stats, I get Rams by 10 and Rams by eight. What say you, my friend? Both teams going in opposite directions right now. Rams winners of four straight. Ravens losers of four straight. And we know what the Ravens just been such a challenge all season long to to field enough healthy bodies to stay competitive. That team's going to compete and play hard, but I think we finally saw all those injuries come to a head last week at Cincinnati. They just didn't have the players left, especially in that secondary, and that's what concerns me here against this Rams team. The Ravens' secondary is absolutely decimated right now. I don't have a clue who's going to suit up, but I know none of the starters are going to be suiting up for this contest for the Ravens in that defensive backfield, and that's going to be the challenge here going against the Rams that – We know who they are. They're a team that is going to spread you out, and they're going to create mismatches and uh, a lot of bunch sets and and so many great receivers to throw the football to to make plays and create be creative with their play calling and design of formation uh, for a Ravens team that they're going to come play hard. We know that, but for four quarters, how are they going to be able to sustain a competitive effort because they are so decimated on on both sides of the football? The offensive line is really beat up. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. I don't suspect he's going to play. He's been out the last couple weeks with that ankle injury. He came into practice, was limited on Wednesday. They showed footage of him out there, and he was completely on one foot. He didn't practice again Thursday, Friday. It's going to be Tyler Huntley that's most likely going to be the starting quarterback, and he's been very good when he stepped out there in the hand of the couple games that he started. I think about the Green Bay game, and we think about the comeback that he had and how how in the plays that he was able to make considering how shorthanded they were outside of Mark Edwards here. But you're going against a Rams team that I don't love the scheduling spot here, Brady, and that's probably why I'm staying away from it, thinking about the Rams. Again, this is their third game 
in 13 days because of some of the COVID issues that happened last week. And it's their third road game in the last four weeks. So travel from that perspective. I don't like get backing teams on the road, especially laying six points now where the Rams currently sit on the, on the spread. To, to back that and have to cover a touchdown on the road. But ultimately, I think the motive will be there for the Rams. Two years ago on Monday Night Football in Los Angeles, they faced the Ravens and absolutely got dominated. The, Lamar Jackson did whatever he wanted to in that game. Now, he won't be playing most likely tomorrow, but Aaron Donald has let it be known that he remembered that game. And you talk about competitive pride, that's something that's going to show out, I think. Aaron Donald's talked about it all week, saying he remembers that game clearly and is going to have something to bring in this game on Sunday against that Ravens offense. But here, I think this is a game I'm just going to pass from. I, I really just don't like the game. I'm going to stay away. Uh, earlier in the season, when the Ravens were beaten badly by the Bengals, they responded with a win over a non-conference opponent in their next game, and that is the setup exactly again here with the L.A. Rams. Los Angeles has been out-yarded in four of its last six games. They were minus two last week in turnover differential, but still won and covered the game. Uh, you wonder if maybe they're leaking oil just a little bit here. I think that combined with all of Baltimore's injuries, COVID issues, what have you, it, maybe it's kind of similar to the Colts game here, James, where we were starting to think that line's getting a little bit rich. I think maybe this line's getting a little high based on perception, what we've seen out of these teams. You know, the Rams winning four in a row, Baltimore losing four in a row, everything that's going on on the surface. I think this line may be getting a little high. It is, and that's why I'm staying away from it. It's too high for me to lay with the Rams. We talked about the motive not only from two years ago getting hammered at home on Monday Night Football by the Ravens, but also the Rams have put themselves back in position to win the NFC West. We, we weren't saying that just a few weeks ago. It was Arizona Cardinals, and were they going to be the number one seed overall? And we see how quickly things change in the National Football League. Now it's completely flipped. The Rams can win out, and they win that division. So there's plenty of motivation here for the Rams to go on the road, even though I hate the travel spot for them, considering it's it's their third road game in four weeks and third game in three 13 days. I just can't take that point. I, I just can't take the number there with the Ravens here in this spot because they are so desperate and the wrong matchup. It's it's all about matchups for me, depending on where your injuries are. Yeah, you can, you can sustain a next man up that type of thing. There's plenty of heart and plenty of fight with the Ravens, but you got to have some playmakers and some talent. I think that's where the deficiency is because of all the injuries in the secondary. And you're going to match up against the Rams team that that is, we know that's the strength of that team is to throw the football down the field and really get really confused your secondary and we're going to have a lot of backups because I think communication will be an issue for the Ravens one of those where Cooper Cup's running free down the seam and you're going to have safeties and corners pointing at each other I thought you had him I thought you had him <laughs> just a lot of new guys out there that just haven't had an opportunity to perform together on the field that's my biggest reservation from wanting to take the Ravens in that plus price at home we kick off the late window at SoFi Stadium, another Los Angeles team, this being the Chargers. They are hosting the Denver Broncos. The Chargers currently the eighth seed in the AFC at eight and seven. The uh, Miami Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Raiders also at eight and seven. Now, Denver is at seven and eight. They are technically not out of it, the 13 seed, but they are likely not going anywhere. I made this game a pick 'em, James. It was my largest discrepancy versus the opening line, which was five and a half in favor of L.A. Now, my stats crunch spit out Chargers minus one and a half and also Broncos minus one. But 
Denver has been bitten hard by the COVID bug this week, and they will be missing a lot of key players. We've seen this line adjust. As it stands now, the Chargers all the way up to eight-point favorites with a total of 45. Who gets your vote here in this one? That's the second leg of a money line parlay for me with that Cowboys play. I'm taking the Chargers here as well. And you talked about the COVID issues for the Denver Broncos. Absolutely. I think they've got 14 players on the COVID list that are not making this trip out to Los Angeles and some key players for this Denver Bronco team. A couple of players on the offensive line are not making the trip as well as the receiving core. Now, Cortland Sutton has cleared and he is active, but he is still with an illness. So I don't know how fully healthy he is, but he has cleared the protocol to be able to play. I think they're just desperate here because both Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick will not be making the trip. Those are the top three receivers for the Denver Broncos for Drew Locke to throw the football too. And that's what it comes down to for me. Bridgewater is not going to play again due to concussion protocol and it's going to be Drew Locke. And we saw that game last week at Las Vegas against the Raiders and outside of some turnovers that really set up some short fields for that Denver Broncos offense, Drew Locke did absolutely nothing the offensive coordinator Pat Shermer didn't do anything to help him either the, the, the that's the biggest disconnect here Brady is this the you got some old school coaches here in Denver and they literally do not like Drew Locke in my opinion there were things that happened last year off the field with Drew Locke and his family and the coaching staff there in Denver they are not on the same page. It almost felt like they were saboteur, uh, some saboteur calls for from Pat Shermer for Drew Locke, putting in some positions to not be successful for whatever that's worth. I don't know if that, that's just me thinking out loud, but ultimately they didn't do him any favors with some of the play calling because ultimately it was Denver Broncos. What we had seen is that's a team that wants to rush the football, and that's what they have been very successful with, with both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams banging and pounding the football consistently and putting their off in third and shorts and manageable field position to be able to put some points on the board. They were not doing that against the Raiders and for Drew Locke. So there's just so many issues with this team, not only through COVID, a lot of issues on the linebacking core. Three DBs will not be available because of COVID for the Denver Broncos. Just a lot of issues here for Denver. Now having to go on the road for a Chargers team that, man, did anybody completely just not show up last week? It would be the Chargers at the top of the list for their effort against the Houston Texans. So this is an opportunity here for some competitive pride to show up for the Chargers, still trying to fight and claw their way into the playoff hunt in the in the AFC. I think we'll see a much better effort out of the Chargers in this matchup against a really depleted Broncos roster. Yeah, absolutely depleted. I really wanted to bet the Denver Broncos this week. I thought it was a good spot for them. You know, it is this time of the year, James, where we often talk about teams that must win. And I learned a long time ago, teams that must win must not be that good. And that's really the case for the Los Angeles Chargers here. Denver, you know, they must win too, but not realistically are they going to make the playoffs. It certainly is a must-win situation for the Chargers, and I typically like to go against a team like that. But why Vic Fangio decided not to run the ball or Pat Shermer, whoever made that decision against the Raiders, absolutely still baffles me to this day. And they should do it again here against the Chargers who have a weak rushing defense. But since his rookie year last year, Justin Herbert is 1-7-1 against the spread against head coaches that were former defensive coordinators. And that's who he'll face here in the Denver Broncos in Vic Fangio. Uh, Pat Shermer, as an offensive coordinator, going back to 2019, 
11 and 4 against the spread when his teams rushed the ball 30 or more times and they ran the ball 33 times just six weeks ago in your neck of the woods there, James, in the Mile High City when they took care of the Chargers 28-13. to 13. But I just could not get to the window. Well, you talk about the depleted roster. And Teddy Bridgewater, I thought he might be able to come back. Of course, he's not cleared from concussion protocol just yet. I think there is just so many red flags about this Broncos team right there or right here in this spot that uh, ultimately I, I could not find a way to uh, – you know, go to the window with him. Well, and you talked about the fact that how many times they rushed the ball against the Chargers. That was with Teddy Bridgewater at the quarterback position, trying to set him up for success. They're not going to be doing the same thing with Drew Locke. It seems like they just want him to fall on his face. Yeah, I think the Chargers money line, probably a pretty good play there by you. We'll come back with more. We get into the late slate right here on the Pro Football Blitz. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off of a VSN All Access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits, showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today, and you also get our daily best bet emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus our all-new college bowl betting guide covering every bowl game. It's all available now for only $39 at vcin.com slash subscribe. The Houston Texans are in Santa Clara to visit the 49ers, James. And uh, since we're talking Niners, I, I got to tell you another John Madden story, all right? Okay, That's so all right. So John, of course, was a Bay Area guy, right? And this is back in 1994 when the 49ers were still playing at Candlestick Park. And because of my relationship with John, I was able to get him to come on and do an interview with us when I had first moved to Las Vegas in 94, working for a national uh, sports radio network, we were previewing the 1994 NFC Championship game between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers at Candlestick Park. And we go through all the nuts and bolts of the game and that type of thing. And 
Then I tell my host, I say, look, start talking about the food and the tailgate and the parking lot. I said, that's really John's wheelhouse. You'll get him fired up when you start talking about all of that stuff, right? So we're like, John, that parking lot at Candlestick, you know, it, it's lower than the water table out there on Candlestick Point. It's going to be wet. It's old. It's dirty. The weather's cold and nasty this time of the year. Those are going to be some hardcore tailgate parties out there in the parking lot at Candlestick. And John says, oh, yeah, out there in the slop and the mud and uh, and the mert. And he was trying to say mud and dirt. And he says, hey, you know, the mud and the slop and the mert. And then he stops and he says, I think I just made up a word, the mert. He goes, yeah, that's what you'll find at Candlestick. There'll be all people tailgating and partying all out in the mert out there. <laughs> Another John Maddenism, right? So many of those, absolutely. <laughs> just, just great stuff. Um, so the Texans and the 49ers. Um, we will probably get to see Trey Lance get the start here at quarterback for San Francisco. The line hasn't moved a whole lot. Uh, I made it 12, and it opened up at 13.5 or 14. And when I jump into the stats, I get Niners minus 13.5 and, and Niners minus 8.5. The consensus number currently is 49ers minus 12.5 with a total of 44. Your thoughts on this one, James, at Levi Stadium, not in the Mert at the stands. Yeah, right. Too big a number for me to lay with the Niners in the Mert here thinking about <laughs> this offense. With Trey Lance, we haven't seen him since early October, and even when we did, it was clear that as far as his passing acumen, a lot uh, very green and a lot of growth still to come for Trey Lance. He's going to be a running back, and basically he's going to run the football that we've seen that we saw in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, really, they were very competitive in that game on the road where he had to start against the Cardinals, but a lot of that was really due to the defense having such a great game plan to contain Kyler Murray within that pocket. But here, a big number here for the Niners to have to lay with rookie quarterback Trey Lance. Just not sure what we're going to see. If we're going to see anything out of this passing game, I think we're going to see a lot of Debo Samuel. I think we'll probably see Elijah Mitchell back, and that's a big piece for the 49ers to get back their leading rusher. He's been gone for the last three weeks with the knee injury, had a hand injury as well. When he's back there rushing that football, I think we're going to see a steady dose. Now, he's been, he was limited in practice all week, but just the fact that he made it to practice each and every day for the 49ers this week tells me that most likely he is going to be out there as the feature back to take pressure off of Trey Lance. It takes pressure off of Jimmy Garoppolo, whoever the quarterback is. We know that's what the 49ers want to do is rush the football, and I think they're going to be able to do that against the Houston Texans. I know the Texans have been very competitive over the last few weeks, and thinking about Davis Mills, Brady, I mean, he's played the last few weeks, he's played very well. He's completed 70% of his passes in the last four games, thrown five touchdown passes over those four contests with just one interception, which has led to -to back-to-back wins for Houston, thinking about the big win that they had over the Chargers at home as double-digit underdogs. Yeah, the Texans are going to sneak up on you when you're not ready to play. But in this case here, I think the 49ers will be ready to play. They need to be ready to play. They have to try to win out, make sure they get themselves. They're, they're in the driver's seat to be able to get one of those wild card spots, but they have to win. And this game here is a must win in that sense here. You don't want to lose and then have to look for help from anybody else to help get you into the playoffs in the final week of the season. And the fact that it is Trey Lance that will be there at the quarterback position for the San Francisco 49ers. This is a team that will rally around that and know that everybody's got to pick up their game on the offense and on the defensive side. Can they make it happen to cover 12 and a half points? Uh, I, I just can't get there with this game, Brady. I don't want to take the Texans. I've taken the Texans plenty when they've been double-digit 
dogs. I think about that game on the road oh, a while back when they beat the Tennessee Titans and were able to win that game outright as a big underdog here. I don't think they're going to be able to win this game outright. Could they cover that number potentially? But I'm not willing to bet on it. I think it's actually a pretty decent spot for San Francisco, and they could crush this team. I mean, let's remember, this is the Houston Texans, right? And maybe everybody's a little bit too in love with them after what they did to the Chargers last week. And if you look at the uh, general consensus here as far as the betting tickets and whatnot, it looks like everybody's all over the Texans and reacting to Jimmy Garoppolo maybe not being in there. I I think Kyle Shanahan, you mentioned Elijah Mitchell – uh, I imagine Shanahan to have a pretty good scheme together with Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, Trey Lance, and Debo Samuel. They could run the ball all day long against this Texans defense who ranks 30th in the league in defending the run. Maybe, yeah, laying the 12, it might work, it might not, but you could also tease it down to under a touchdown. So uh, I, I think the 49ers actually have a chance here to uh, run away with this game. We will see. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals, they have clinched a playoff berth. The Dallas Cowboys, they are the NFC East Division champs, and they will face off in Big D today with the Cardinals looking to snap a three-game losing streak. And the Cowboys, they are still in the mix for that number one seed in the NFC. And this game actually on the rotation is 109-110, but it has been moved into the afternoon slot and thus so dipped on your screen here. Uh, I made the number two and a half in favor of the Dallas Cowboys, James, and it opened at five. I've seen as high as six and a half. My additional numbers came to Cowboys by a half point and Cowboys minus one. Here in Las Vegas, we are currently at six and a half in favor of Dallas with a total of 52. Should be a good game. I know you're involved on the money line. What about the side? Money line on the side. Well, money line for the Cowboys to win. That's the second I should say with the points. I apologize. Right, with the Cowboys to win the game uh, paired up with the money line parlay with the Chargers to win their game over the Denver Broncos. And thinking about this matchup here from the Arizona Cardinals' perspective, yes, they've lost those three games in a row. When everybody was telling them and they were hearing everything as well as they played in the start of the season, the last team to lose a game midway through the year, you know, best record for most of the year until this three-game losing streak, obviously. But I think it kind of coincides with the fact that Kyler Murray's faced a lot of man coverage without DeAndre Hopkins, and we know Hopkins is is gone for the regular season. Depending how much of a run they make in the playoffs for the Cardinals, maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. But ultimately, what he's what the struggle has been is the playmaking ability down the field. And I think Kyler Murray, we've seen his struggles from the pocket. Teams understand how to stay in their lanes with their rush and not. Make sure they contain him and not let him get outside of the pocket and be able to make plays off impromptu extending plays with his feet, impromptu plays down the field to his main man, DeAndre Hopkins, who hasn't been out there. Well, it's been a struggle for these receivers for Arizona to be able to get off their coverage in this man offense or man defense that they've been facing. He's only been throwing 59% of his passes completed during this time when Hopkins has been out, has Kyler Murray. I think it's been a struggle, not only from that standpoint offensively, but the fact that this is something that happened to the Arizona Cardinals last year, maybe even to more of an extreme right now. We started off pretty hot last year and then completely folded in that second half of the season in the month of December. Playoff hopes were gone. Not saying that their playoff hopes are finished here, but this is going to be a tough matchup for the Cardinals to have to go into Dallas against this team now that is as healthy as they've been all season long. We've seen that front line and that pass rush come together now with the speed that they have, the versatility that they have, also the depth that they have to be able to get after the quarterback. 
man, this could be a really long day, in my opinion, for Kyler Murray coming off this team here for a Dallas team that remembers that game last year in Big D against the Arizona Cardinals. It was the game directly after that followed up the loss of, of Dak Prescott when he blew out his ankle in that game. This was the first start for Andy or Andy Dalton. Did not go well. The Cowboys did not go well. They lost 38-10. to 10. This is a team that's looking to get some momentum going into the playoffs. They are fully healthy right now. This is going to be a real struggle for the Arizona Cardinals to be able to compete, in my opinion, against the Dallas Cowboys. Sack leader for the Cardinals as well. Linebacker Marcus Golden did not make the trip. He is out due to COVID. The Cardinals are 6-1 and one straight up and against the spread when they are away from home this season. And it does feel like a good spot for them here to get out on the road as an underdog where they have been successful so far this season. You talk about the three-game winning streak and, and kind of, you know, everybody talking about this team's going to be the number one seed. Now they're here with a lot less expectations. And maybe, you know, we see this in baseball after a losing streak at home or something. Sometimes it's good for a team to get out on the road. I think this game will be interesting. This could be a good spot here for Arizona. Uh, and maybe Dallas, I mean, their stock could not be any higher right now off of that performance, what they did to the Washington football team on Sunday. I don't know if the stock on Arizona can be any lower right now. We'll be back in just a moment with more as we wrap up the Pro Football Blitz. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcasts and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum, plus Hardwood Handicappers with JVT, The Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, and Coast to Coast Hoops with Greg Peterson. They're all for free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you inside the Pro Football Blitz. The Carolina Panthers are in New Orleans to face the New Orleans Saints at the Superdome. Sam Darnold will get the start at quarterback for the Panthers. Seems like uh, quarterback du jour there for Matt Rule and company. Uh, Taysom Hill is back for the Saints. This is another game that has been shifted in the rotation to the afternoon window. Uh, figuring that Hill and all of the COVID casualties would be back and that would all be cleared up this week, James. I made this number eight and a half in favor of the New Orleans Saints, and it opened up around seven or seven and a half, and it has since come down a little bit. Currently, Saints laying six and a half with a total of 37 and a half as it stands now. It feels like to me, James, this game in particular has about the least amount of betting interest on the board this week. <laughs> Is this one going to get any of your hard-earned cash? It might. Thinking about where this is, let's just talk about Carolina for a second and what a wreck of a team this has been since that three and zero start. And we remember that three and zero start. One of those three and one of those wins was against the New Orleans Saints back in week two. I remember that I had the Panthers in that matchup. I just thought it was a really tough scheduling spot for the Saints coming off the win in Jacksonville against Green Bay to open the season. They had been living in Texas for a month because of the hurricane that had come in. It was a really tough spot for the Saints all the travel and the bat living away from home etc the the panthers really put it on them and this that was a really feisty game and the saints remember that game they lost 26 to 7 in that matchup 
Yes, Sam Darnold was able to throw a couple TDs in that matchup, but this is not the same Carolina Panthers team right now. This offense, the offensive line is not a good offensive line for one. And then I just think we we talk about the cliches of culture and 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 you know what does that look like within a team and you're building a culture and an identity and those kind of things. Well, there is no culture there with the Carolina Panthers, and really that falls squarely on the shoulders of head coach Matt Rule. We've we've seen him and his his pressers after the fact after the game last week after the game just getting throttled and dominated by Tampa Bay saying well I know nobody else can see it but I see it we're getting ourselves better and you know sometimes it takes genius seven years to come out Jay Z took seven years before he was an overnight success I didn't even know where he was going with that but you don't get seven years to coach in this league it's a win now league and we've seen Matt Rule clearly point the finger at everybody except for him there is no accountability on that team because of what the condition that he set where he's looking to to blame everybody else he fired his offensive coordinator joe brady a couple weeks ago there's just no it kind of reminds me brady of the situation that we saw in detroit with with matt patricia it was kind of that same thing every time after the press conference it was everybody else's fault never looking in the mirror and taking any responsibility and ownership of his performance as a head coach haven't seen that on matt rule either i don't want anything to do with this carolina panthers team having it out go back and play this saints team that yes on monday night against the miami dolphins they had 20 players out with COVID. Right now they have one. It's it's the kicker who hasn't even been there all season long. They just technically have to put him on the COVID list. So the Saints are back. They are healthy and they're going to be hungry. They remember that week two matchup, that loss to Carolina. I haven't played this yet, but I'm probably going to play the Saints. But something else I was looking at here, we've been talking some player props. I'm looking at the yards passing for Sam Darnold. 196 and a half yards passing. That's the total. How can I, how can you, what would, what would we look like for this Carolina Panthers team to say, I want to get involved with that. And I want to bet Sam Darnold the over here. We just saw this Saints team when they were fully healthy a couple weeks back on Sunday night football on the road against Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay Bucks offense pitch a shutout. What is Sam Darnold going to do here going on the road against New Orleans? I think this is going to be an ugly game offensively again for the Carolina Panthers. That's probably my better bet right here. I'm going to play Sam Darnold to go under his passing total sitting at 196 and a half. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're looking at this total in this game at just 37 and a half. You can't expect this guy's going to light it up to the tune of, you know, 250 yards passing or something. You mentioned it is indeed a revenge game for the Saints, and they were just really caught off guard there. They were practicing in Fort Worth, Texas after that win over the Green Bay Packers. They uh, were everywhere but focused on the game at hand there in week two against the Carolina Panthers. Also, you talked about how Carolina started out 3-0. and They're 2-10 and straight up and against the spread since that 3-0 and start. And you compared it to the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia. I think this Carolina team, James, has become as much of a mess as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, and we'll see if Matt Rule makes it through. Does he get his seven-year? Does his seven-year plan come to fruition like Jay Z's was back in the day? I don't think so. I I don't know where this team is at, but this team is clearly at, on the offensive side. Defensively, they'll stay competitive. There were some issues with COVID on this Carolina Panthers roster on the defensive side, and was looking into what was going to look like for their really their three best pass rushers with Burns. 
Burns, Shaq Thompson, and Hassan Reddick. I've seen that both Brian Burns and Shaq Thompson have cleared concussion or the, the COVID protocol. They made the trip to New Orleans. So I think the defensive side for the Panthers will keep them competitive because we know the, the Saints are offensively challenged for sure with Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. It's going to be a run-heavy affair for New Orleans. That's why I'm a little iffy with the, the total or with the with the number sitting at 6.5. I would be Saints or nothing for me, but I just don't see how Darnold gets to 200 yards. I think they're hungry. They're going to get after him, and they're going to bury him. We'll see if he even can play for four quarters. They, they may put him in the ground. It's going to be Cam Newton having to take snaps by default due to injury for poor Sam Darnold. The two 12-1 Detroit Lions are in Seattle to face the 5-10 Seahawks. And I tell you, this one's funny. It feels like the Lions care more about this game than the Seahawks and probably their fans as well. Um, I thought this line came out high, but of course that was uh, before the news came down that Jared Goff was not likely to be at quarterback for the Lions. I made it Seahawks minus four, and it opened at minus seven. My deeper number dive comes to Seattle minus ten and a half, and then Seattle minus five. Now the market right now currently has seven and a half in favor of Seattle with a total of 41. James, the Lions are one of the very best teams against the spread in football. They are 10-5 and five against the number this season. Will they get your money today? No, not this time around for the Lions. I just don't like the spot for Detroit in this matchup going on. And, you know, coming off the road against Atlanta, having an opportunity late in the game, first and goal inside the 10 for quarterback Tim Boyle. You got a chance to get another win and upset the Atlanta Falcons. And this is the Atlanta Falcons we're talking about here, being able to go in and win that football game, made a bad read, forced the ball into coverage in the middle of the field. End of story. Another Detroit Lions loss. DeAndre Swift should be back. He was he was a full go at practice this week. He's been out for the last four games due to that shoulder injury he suffered back on Thanksgiving. But just DeAndre Swift coming back is not enough for me because I think about the other side here with the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson in particular speculation could this be this is the last home game of the season for Seattle could this be Russell Wilson's last home game ever in as a Seattle Seahawk as well as Bobby Wagner might be his last game in a Seahawk uniform now these are two two leaders on this team they're champions for this team they're competitive players I mean Bobby Wagner leads the NFL in tackles he's got 170 tackles with two games to go it's incredible where he is he's just got great instincts he's a great leader on that defensive side I'm just wondering for Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, who knows what's going to happen with these guys in the offseason, but the speculation that this might be their last game, sometimes that's where it's it's like they don't want to go out the way that they did. Uh, the careers that they've had, they're, they're, they're so beloved in the city of Seattle and rightfully slow as well as they played for as long as they played. You don't want to go out the way that they did you last week, losing to Chicago the way that they did. Bad weather game for sure. But here, now coming back at home to have an opportunity to win your last game potentially as a Seattle Seahawk, this is where I like, the, there's a prop here I like with Russell Wilson. His passing his passing touchdowns, over one and a half sitting at one at minus 105. I just think he's such a competitor. Whether this is his last home game or not, doesn't want to go out the way that they did last week against the Chicago Bears. He's thrown, has Russell Wilson, at least two touchdown passes in four of his last five games. I'm not afraid of the Detroit Lions having a, a stellar defense here to stop that with Russell Wilson. It all falls on his shoulders to make plays. That's what I'm going to bet here. Russell Wilson, over one and a half touchdowns, minus 105. 
Yeah, I like the sound of that. If you look at that Lions defense, they are 26th in the league in defensive passer rating and almost dead last. 31st in the league in red zone defense. They give up a touchdown almost 70% of the time. So that bodes well for your bet there on Russell Wilson being able to sling a couple TD passes. The Seahawks are the first team this season to lose multiple games outright after owning a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. And both of those games came at home. They have clinched last place in the NFC West. They are just two and five straight up and against the spread since their bye week. And of course, those were games they were trying to win. The Lions are six and one against the spread since their bye week. Um, I didn't do anything with this game. It's hard to convince me to lay a number like this with uh, kind of a lame duck Seattle Seahawks team. But uh, we will see. It's always fun, it seems, to watch the Detroit Lions play football, even though they continue to lose. We'll be back to wrap up the program in just a moment. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you, and we have reached the Sunday Nighter. And unfortunately, James, uh, some of the luster has uh, doled off of this game. Looked like it would be a very good contest on Sunday night. The Green Bay Packers, currently the number one seed in the NFC, hosting the Minnesota Vikings, who are currently the eighth seed in the conference. But Kirk Cousins, of course, going to be out of the game with COVID. Sean Mannion will get the start at quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. I made this line three and a half in favor of the Green Bay Packers early in the week before the Kirk Cousins news. It opened at minus seven. It was bet down to six and a half pretty quickly. And then, of course, the Cousins news surfaced and it quickly skyrocketed up to Packers minus 13. There really hasn't been any movement since. Packers minus 13 with a total of 42 and a half is where it stands now. Uh, James, in the Circa and Westgate contest, we talked about this a little earlier. I believe Westgate has six and a half, Circa minus seven, the old lines prior to the Cousins news. Did you get involved with this contest-wise, playing the line value there, and or are you going to get involved with this with the new line with double digits in favor of the Packers? No, I stayed away from this game entirely, contest aside, as well as playing any bets at this point here with that number where it is. Just feeling like sometimes we see this, and yes, uh, I mean, 
now you have Sean Mannion having to take over as the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, and he hasn't taken a regular season snap since 2019. And since he's come into the league back in 2015, he's thrown a collection of 43 passes. He's completed 43 passes in his career. No touchdowns, three interceptions. So not somebody I want to back, but sometimes we see this with their opponents when some uh, when a key player is out, like the quarterback position here for Minnesota, that teams rally, and they rally around not only for the fact that, yeah, the Vikings can run the football, Dalvin Cook coming back and, and being able to, to get that running game going here against the Packers team. Do they kind of let up a little bit because Sean Manning is playing and not Kirk Cousins? Maybe there was more incentive because the Packers lost earlier this season to the Minnesota Vikings. Great shootout game, wild game as it was in Minnesota that ultimately the, the Vikings pulled out, but maybe still, maybe still, but the other factor here is the weather's a concern for me, and and I think both teams are probably going to be needing to run the football because we're going to have, you talked about weather in some of these games, and there's going to be no colder place than Lambeau Field comes Sunday night. The, the wind chill is going to be below zero at kickoff and only get colder as the game progresses. That's where I think both teams are going to run the football. We know the Packers are used to playing in that kind of weather, but sometimes there's just a little bit of an emotional edge that you lose when you were fired up to get after your division opponent, and now they're now Kirk Cousins is not going to be there. Not to say that they're not going to come out and still want to throttle him, because I'm sure that they will. It's a divisional game from that standpoint, and the Green Bay Packers are still fighting for that number one playoff seed within the NFC. They win both of their remaining games. They lock up that number one seed in that first round bye, and the road to the Super Bowl rolls through Lambeau Field, but no, I didn't play it on either side here. Looking at this total where it went sitting at 42.5 of where it was around 46, 46.5, kind of lost some of the value there, but I kind of suspect that's if I get involved, Brady, that's probably where I'm going to go is be looking to play that total. And even though I've missed the number on it with Mannion back there, no explosive pays in the passing game, maybe be looking to play the under even still. Maybe that's why uh, Cousins bowed out of this game. I wouldn't want to play in zero degrees either. Uh, it, it is a shame. I was ready to bet the Vikings in this game. I thought it was a good spot for them catching a touchdown. My deeper number crunch actually made them a two-point favorite and then also a pick em. Uh, we'll see if they have enough to keep this one close. 14 of Minnesota's 15 games, James, this season have been decided by eight points or less. So, you know, if that's going to hold true with Sean Mannion, uh, take the 13 there. Head coach Mike Zimmer, by the way, 19-6-1 against the spread as an underdog when coming off of a loss, including 12-1-1 against the spread when he's facing an opponent with a win percentage of 600 or better. So what that spells out is Zimmer is awful good off of a loss against a good team, and that's exactly the situation for Mike Zimmer and the Minnesota Vikings here this week. The Monday Nighter, a classic AFC North showdown between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, he is not confirmed, but it appears, James, that James or that Ben Roethlisberger, this might be his very last game at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh for the Steelers. I made this line one and a half in favor of the Browns, and it opened up Browns minus three. My look into the stats spit out Pickham and Browns minus one. Both teams are still alive here for a postseason berth in the AFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the 11 seed. Cleveland currently in the 12 hole. Right now, as far as the number, we are at Browns laying three and a hook 
with a total of 41. Um, I want to know if you're going to kind of ride that um, that handicapping theory of win one for the Gipper, if you will. Kind of a similar situation for Big Ben, possibly in his swan song. I think for Pittsburgh, forget about the Gipper. They need to win one to get their mind right, considering how just poorly the the poor performance that they had last week against Kansas City. I mean, just a complete just a complete. They were they were dominating that game on both sides of the football. The defense couldn't get off the field. Roethlisberger couldn't move the football through the air. Uh, I think we've seen the running game with Najee Harris. He has definitely regressed. He is not interested in banging that football. And everything's he's trying to bounce everything on the outside right now. I don't know if he's taking some shots. I don't know. If it's because of the the you know the inexperience on the offensive line for Pittsburgh, but he is not the same physical runner that we've seen. Definitely not the same physical runner we saw last year in college with Alabama. But even as the season was going on early in the season, he was very physical now, and it's just not the same runner here. It's not the same offense. The offense has been a struggle for most of the season. We know with Roethlisberger, it's been a struggle to push the ball down the field with any kind of velocity and accuracy here, but. Looking at the matchup, I mean, this is, yeah, both teams still mathematically trying to fight for the playoff spot, get one of those wild cards in the AFC. But thinking about where the Browns are in their secondary, there's some key players that are already listed out for the Browns in that defensive backfield. Both starting safeties, Harrison and Johnson, will not be playing in this game as well as their nickel corner, Hill. He is also out for the Cleveland Browns. So it's going to be a matter of a number of backups having to sit back there in that secondary and, if it is all about Big Ben and this is his last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler at home, what is the offense going to look like? This offense is just, that's probably my biggest concern, Brady, is watching that game last week against Kansas City. Steelers couldn't run the football. They were down by four scores, whatever the game was, and they're still having Big Ben under center, turning and pivoting to fake the hand, to running play action pass, and then some fake jacks and some jet sweep off of that. Well, when you're down four scores, you're not confusing anybody worried about your running game, and he took a beating on that. I think they fumbled the ball too, but it was just really questionable play calling in my mind. I just don't think this Steelers offense has been on seek, not only on the field, but also up in the booth when it comes to play calling. I'd probably lean to the Steelers plus the three and a half because of that hook. We know it's going to be probably a really tight, low-scoring game. But right now, I haven't made I haven't made a play yet on this matchup. I'll probably wait closer to kickoff. Yeah, I'm torn on this one, James. My my numbers come to you know what says should be a play on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do like that hook as well. Um, the Steelers they are 19 and one straight up. I, I didn't realize this. 19 and one straight up on their last 20 night appearances on Monday Night Football when they're at home, uh, but. They have given up an average of 180 yards rushing in their last seven games. And, of course, conversely, that is the strength of the Cleveland Browns. That's why I'm kind of torn on this game. Uh, Kareem Hunt currently listed as questionable, uh, but the strength of the Cleveland Browns is their rushing attack. The Pittsburgh Steelers rank dead last in the NFL in rushing defense. Um, also, you've got Baker Mayfield. I think last week was a little bit misleading. He threw four interceptions. I think at least a couple of them were not his fault. But in his last five games, seven touchdown passes, seven interceptions, and one football, or excuse me, and one fumble. Um, you see what I'm saying here? I mean, Cleveland should, it, it's kind of like the Denver Broncos. They should just run the ball down the throat of the Chargers. Cleveland should run the ball down the throat of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, um, I, I can't really trust the Cleveland Browns uh, and that offense that's been pretty anemic lately. No, I can't either. And and then the play calling. What 
what Cleveland Browns team are we going to see? What are we? What is Stefanski going to call in this matchup here? I mean, we think about that that game back in oh, I think it was Halloween when the Steelers won at Cleveland, and it was Nick Chubb. We we I know I know that the um, Hunt wasn't available for that game, but Chubb and Chubb looked very strong last week, pounding the football against the Green Bay Packers defense. He was kind of gimpy for a while midseason, but he's back fully healthy. No commitment to wanting to run the football. I thought that was the identity of the Cleveland Browns is this is who we are. We've got a really great offensive line. We've got this two-headed monster with Chubb and, and Hunt pounding the football at you, and we're just going to grind you down and and bury your will over the course of 60 minutes. But that's just not the case of what we've seen out of the Cleveland Browns lately, not staying committed to the running game, putting too much pressure on Baker Mayfield to have to make the throws. I just don't know what Cleveland Browns team we're going to see offensively. So right now I don't know which way to go with this game. I'm probably leading still. Steelers plus the three and a half. That is going to do it for us. Thank you to our technical crew. Thank you to Dan Miller, our producer. Thank you, James. Enjoy the games on Sunday. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year to everybody. Have a great 2022 with us at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.